Indeed, the Bible is the very word of God. We are people of the book. Well, it's my honor to introduce Tim Munger. He needs no introduction to most of you. This is his home church, and he works with Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, as Gordy mentioned. And my main connection to that on a consistent basis is the magazine Israel, My Glory, which comes out every other month, and I devour it. Now, I know many of you do, too, as well. I can tell, because when you get done, you put them back in the rack which I think is great to share with other people. But Tim's going to come and break the word to us now. It's our pleasure to have you here today, Tim. Thank you so much, Greg. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I think I'm on. We're good? All right. Good morning. It is a joy to be here with you on the Lord's Day. I've already been encouraged. I was greeting the people in the previous, prior to the service. And several of you have already said, I'm coming to your seminar in May. Thank you. I want to invite all of you to come and join us. Uh, it's May the 10th this year at Zender's Restaurant in Frankenmuth. This will be our 11th year uh, ministering there. And uh, we very much look forward to that. And doesn't May sound warm right now? Even though it's been pretty good, we know that this is still Michigan and anything can change at a moment. If you don't like the weather, just wait a minute here in Michigan. But we'd love to have you come and join us. That's May 10th, Zender's Restaurant. And we so much appreciate your regular attendance and you're all invited and uh, we hope you'll come. Uh, this year we'll dealing, be dealing with the theme of the glory of God. And uh, I very much look forward to that. And... Uh, we have a very special guest. I can't tell you who that is. You've got to come and find out uh, for our spotlight on Israel this year. And so we ask you to, uh, to come and join us. I want you to be praying this week. We have two very big meetings uh, that we have coming up, one on Tuesday with fellow staff. Uh, that will be in the afternoon. Please pray for that meeting as we'll be talking about developing a, uh, an outreach and uh, a presence and concentration in the city of New York. And uh, we ask you to pray for that uh, meeting this week as we'll be discussing the opportunities and the need there. Please pray for our meeting Tuesday afternoon at 2 o'clock, actually. And uh, it'll be done by telephone. So please be praying for that. On Wednesday, I'll be in Baltimore. Uh, Wednesday evening at 6.30, so please be in prayer for that event. That's with uh, several different Jewish leaders in Baltimore as we'll be dealing with the issue of Resolution 2334 and uh, how it, it impacts Israel and how do we respond to that. And uh, the exciting thing is we've been invited by the Jewish community to come. And folks, these are new days uh, in reaching out to Jewish people. Uh, Jewish people are asking for our assistance. They're asking for our involvement. And uh, that's a major change. And so we are very grateful for that. Please be in prayer uh, for that meeting. That is Wednesday in Baltimore uh, uh, at 6.30 in the evening. Thank you so much for being our home church. Greg mentioned that. Uh, we have been here for 44 years. It's hard to believe that has gone that fast. But what a joy to be part of you, and thank you for your support of Tim and Kay Munger. I was stunned when I heard that about the young football player from here and from northern Michigan. And folks, it's a reminder that there is no guarantees in life. No guarantees. I was in a synagogue. My wife and I were coming 
uh, had been there at the invitation of our neighbors to go uh, to the service to honor her grandparents. And uh, we met a couple, hello, nice Shabbat Shalom, have a nice life. But that was the couple that God had for us in that synagogue that night. After the service, as we were on our way out, I fell in uh, line and was talking with one of the, uh, that lady. And we were talking about the service, how moving it was as they talked about the Holocaust and their experience in Poland at Auschwitz and then going to Israel. The young people were great. And then we talked about death and how in the world we did this, I don't know, but the topic turned to death on our way out because of the Holocaust. And I said, you know, ma'am, it's exactly for that reason that we don't know when we're going to go, that we need to be prepared to meet God. And that dear Jewish lady said to me on our way out of the synagogue, how do I prepare? To meet God. You really want to know? <laughs> and I began to share with her the truth. Somebody came up to her, tapped her on the shoulder, and said, your husband is out front. He's waiting for you. You need to go. We don't know. That's why we need to know. Ancient words prepare us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God that it's eternal, that it lives and abides forever. We thank you that you are the source of that book. We are grateful that it's called the word of God. And so, Father, it's accurate, it's true, it's eternal because it comes from you. Lord, enable us as we study your word. Teach us. Be our teacher. We pray. Open our hearts, impart to us that truth that we might be transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, join me in the book of Philemon. Philemon. I want to look with you this morning and this evening. We'll cover the book of Philemon. And uh, I love the book of Philemon. I used it in a missionary conference and uh, I was thinking, does it really talk about missions? Oh, yeah. It really does. And it's all about Paul the missionary in prison. And uh, in prison, he meets a young man by the name of Onesimus. Onesimus. Now, Onesimus, his name means profitable. But he wasn't so profitable to his employer... Philemon, because evidently he stole from Philemon, took the goods and ran. Somehow, someway, when he ran, he ended up in Rome, ended up in the same prison where Paul is, and Paul shares, <laughs> shares the gospel with Onesimus, and Onesimus comes to faith in Jesus Christ. Now Paul sends him back, and he sends him with a letter. And all Onesimus has, as he has to go from Rome back to Colossae, is this letter from the Apostle Paul to his former employer, Philemon. Now he is without hope. If he is caught, 
whether by the authorities or someone else, he has no power. He has no hope. He has no home. He's been released from prison. He's, he's not sure how Philemon is going to react. And he has no home. And if Philemon doesn't receive him, he has no hope. No home. No help. No hope. My dear friend, that describes seven billion people on planet Earth right now. Because that is where the world is at. Every single person that you and I meet, that you and I know, are in one of two states. Either they are saved or they are lost. Period. There is no middle ground. And dear ones, you and I have the blessed privilege of leading those people to truth, of presenting the truth that they can have hope, help, and home in Jesus Christ. And that's the message of Philemon. Welcome to the book of Philemon. Verses 1, 2, and 3 form the introduction. Paul a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He had also used that same description of himself in the book of Ephesians. Chapter 4, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He was not a prisoner of Rome. He had been one to Jesus Christ. Join me in the book of Romans, chapter 1. Would you please keep your finger in Philemon and join me in the book of Romans, chapter 1. The apostle Paul describes himself in Romans 1 as a bond servant of Jesus Christ. I was at Flint U of M, and that's how I started here uh, when I was 18. And that year I went to, uh, when I was 18, that summer I went to InterVarsity's Student Leadership Conference. There I met a man by the name of Watson, and he was from, I believe, Nigeria, one of those African nations. And I loved to hear Watson pray at that camp. Because Watson would bow before God and he would cry out, Oh, dear Master! Oh, dear Master! Underscore that in Romans 1.1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. What is a bondservant? It is one who serves out of love. Exodus 21, 1-7 describes what a bondservant is. A bondservant is one who has said, I love my master, I love my wife, I love my family, I will not go out free. And he says to his boss, he says to his owner, I don't want to leave, I realize that my time is up, I choose to stay with you. And the owner would take him to the city square, put his head up against that beam and he would drill a hole. <laughs> He'd have his ears pierced. Right here. And that pierced ear gave 
the message that he is a bond slave. He is serving out of love. I love my master. I love my wife. I love my family. I will not go out free. Paul had found someone that was worthy of his love, worthy of his commitment, worthy of his life. And it was in Jesus Christ. I am a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Oh, the meeting with Jesus Christ was dramatic, was it not? Acts chapter 9, the Lord Jesus strikes him off his mount. He cries out to him and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then Saul asks the most probing question. Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, there's the question, folks. Paul had found in Jesus Christ someone that would own his life, someone that he would serve with all of his life, for all of his life, and he is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Join me back in the book of Philemon, would you please? Paul addresses his letter to Philemon. And then there is a lady's name. Her name is Aphia. And then Archippus and the church in your house. Folks, as we were worshiping, I was looking out over the audience. What a joy to be in a building separated and set apart to the worship of God, the study of his word, and the dissemination of his word around the world. By radio, by the printed page, by personal testimony. It's a privilege to be part of your church. The church that is in your house. Sidebar. This is not a, a rabbit trail. Sidebar means additional information. Thank you for being here. You could have been anywhere else today, but you chose to be here with the people of God so that you can make an impact. There are those you know who say, I'm, I, I, I love Jesus, but I don't want to go to church. I don't need to go to church. I'll, I'll worship God out in the woods. Really? Do you know, my friend, there's a wonderful question to ask somebody like that. Do you plan on going to heaven? Yeah. Those people you're staying away from, you're going to spend eternity with. You better start getting to love them now. Do you realize, my friend, that if you worship in the woods, you're not worshiping God because he formed the church? This is God's idea, not ours. This is God's idea. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I will build whose church? My church. My church. So for you to stay away and you know him and you're staying away, shame on you. Because John says one of the evidences that we belong to Jesus Christ is that we love the brethren. 
And that's what Paul talks about with Philemon, by the way. Philemon, I love you, you love me, we love Jesus. What a great fellowship we enjoy. And so Paul is writing to Philemon, to Aphia, his wife, to Archibus, the servant of the Most High God at the church at Colossae. And then Paul begins his appeal. The book of Philemon, in my, to me, divides into two parts. Beginning at verse 4, we move into the first section. Paul's presentation. Paul's presentation. His presentation falls into two categories. First, his presentation to Philemon about Philemon. He praises Philemon. Verse 4, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Underscore that phrase, folks. All the saints. I love that limerick that says to live above with the saints that we love, that will be glory. (laughs) But to live below with the saints I know, (laughs) that's another story. Yeah. You know what, folks? God loves us all. We're all in process. He is shaping us into the image of His Son. We love one another because we love Him. To all the saints, underscore that, all the saints. I remember hearing a pastor shock the wits out of me. This man had been a pastor of a very historic church. He had been the servant of Moody Church in Chicago. He said, I'm thankful for every person I meet. Some I'm thankful I'll see again and again, and some I'm thankful I'll never see again. Love all the saints, folks. All the saints. Paul's preparation is next. He begins in verse number 17. He talks about his preparation. You see, he's preparing to come and visit Philemon. And if you want a key verse, it's found in verse 19. I, Paul, am writing to you with my own hand. What is he writing? Look at verse 18. 18 is the key verse. I misspoke. Verse 18. But if, if Onesimus, he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. My wife is a diamond girl. She likes diamonds. We were in Maui. We went to Tiffany's. And you know you're in a very exclusive jewelry store when all of the, the clerks are wearing white gloves. She found a ring that she wanted to try on, and she really liked it. 
I looked at it and said, I know she's not going to buy it. It doesn't bother me. She can try on all the ones. She can try on all the ones she wants. I know she won't get it. Why? Because the ring she was trying on was $22,000. She said, I feel like Elizabeth Taylor. Paul said, whatever he owes, I will pay. Think about that. Paul has been in prison. What's he going to pay with? He does not know what the amount Onesimus owes. Whatever Onesimus owes you, I will pay. $22,000 ring he stole. Or the equivalent of Greek Roman money of his day. Whatever he owes, I will pay. Put it on my account. And dear ones, if anybody knows about accounts, it's Americans. Credit cards. Debit cards. I owe. I owe. So off to work I go. If anybody knows about accounts, it's Americans in the 21st century, my dear friend. Whatever he owes, put it on my account. I'll take care of the debt. Does that sound like someone you know? One of the most popular posters we have at the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry is this gorgeous picture of the crown of thorns on the backdrop of a gorgeous red robe. And it said, Jesus paid a debt he did not owe because I owed a debt I could not pay. Put that on my account, the Lord Jesus Christ said. And he paid for all of our sins. My sins that were many were all washed away in the blood shed at Calvary. Put it on my account. Finally, Paul concludes his epistle, his letter to Philemon. In verses 23 to 25, and it falls into two categories. First of all, Paul gives greetings. Paul gives greetings. And then finally, he ends with grace. From a servant to a son. Paul describes himself. Let's go back now to chapter 1, verse 1. Paul describes himself in five ways in the epistle. First of all, he describes himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. We said that he came to that when he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. He had found one that he had given, would be willing to give his life to, willing to give his life for. He had been owned by the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a prisoner of the Lord Jesus, not Rome but the prisoner of Jesus Christ. 
Next, Paul also describes himself as Paul, the aged. I think of the psalmist David who said, I was young, now I am old. When I was 33, I began with the friends of Israel. Today I'm 62 and still with the friends of Israel. 29 years. In our last pastorate, we had a missionary who came for the day. And when he greeted me, he looked at me and he said, You're young! Thanks for noticing! (laughs) And I said, You're old! It's Paul the aged. He had gone through his life. He's Paul the aged. I was young and now I am old. David said, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Paul the aged. He calls himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He calls himself, verse 17, if you then count me as a partner. Philemon, if you count me as a partner. Now it's a business relationship. If you count me as a partner, Philemon. He calls himself a Father, I love this in verse 10. I appeal to you for my son. New American Standard says, my child, my child. Can you imagine the people that will be in glory because of the Apostle Paul? When you look at the list of people that he gives from Romans all the way through to the book of Philemon, person after person after person after person, and not to mention those he didn't mention. This man made an impact for Jesus Christ. What is the point of the book of Philemon? My dear friend, if you give your life to Jesus Christ, you can make an impact. That is the message. Paul impacted Onesimus. Onesimus is going to impact others, but first he's got to go back to Philemon so that Philemon will hear the good news. Now imagine with me, Onesimus has arrived safely to the home of Philemon. What's his attitude? What's his heart? He's got to be nervous. He's got to be frightened. What am I going to do if he rejects me? I owe him so much. Here goes. Philemon comes to the door. And can you not imagine Philemon looking at him? And you've got a lot of nerve. You're coming here to me. And all he can do is say, Philemon, it's nice to see you too. This letter will explain it all. And as Onesimus hands to Philemon, this letter penned by the Apostle Paul. When Philemon comes to that statement, my son My child, in the faith, I believe the tears started down his face. I believe the tears came. Onesimus had come to faith in Jesus Christ. Changed lives, changed the world, friend. Changed lives, changed the world. And by the end of the letter, As Philemon had read from Paul, I could, 
I could force you. But I'd rather not. Notice how Paul appeals to Philemon. As Philemon is reading the letter, here's what he reads. Verse 8, Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you. Underscore that word, command. I could force you. I could demand. I could tell you, you must. I could command that. Verse 9, Yet for what sake? Love. For love's sake, your love for Onesimus, your love for me, but above all, your love for Jesus Christ. Accept him. I appeal to you. I'm not going to demand it. I'm going to appeal. I'm asking you to accept, Philemon. I am asking you to accept Onesimus. Folks, Life can get kind of messy, can it? People are really creative in destroying their lives. But you know what? God's more creative in repairing them. Roy Hessian in his book on adultery says it so well. Roy Hessian said, God's grace forgives the messer and then it unmesses the mess. That's the grace of God, friends. That's the grace of God. Maybe you need to have your life unmasked. The grace of God is sufficient, my dear friend. Whether it's Onesimus, whether it's Philemon, or the Apostle Paul, or you. God's grace will forgive. God's grace will repair. God's grace will restore. And make it new. Make it better. He will heal. I love one of the compound names for God. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Oh, dear ones, God can forgive. God can restore. God can make whole to the praise of the glory of his grace. Philemon, you have a choice. You can love and do this out of love, both for Onesimus, God, and me, or I could command you. Which do you want? Paul appeals to Philemon to accept him. Verse 16, why should he accept him? Paul explains it in verses 15 and 16, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him. How long, dear one? Say it for me. 
forever. Forever. If you're Philemon, are you thinking about his debt that he owes you? Or are you thinking about the potential that he has for Jesus Christ? You see, Paul wants Onesimus to minister with him. He says it clearly. Verse 11. I appeal to you for my son, my child, Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you. He stole from you. He was unprofitable. But now, (laughs) my dear friend, underscore that little phrase, but now. Do you realize that that word but is the largest little word in the Bible? It's the largest little word in the Bible. But, why is it so large? Thank you for asking. Why is it so important? Because on that word but hinges great doors. Great doors. Great doors of insight. Great doors of help. Great doors of hope. Paul says, but now he is profitable to you. By the way, by the way, the name Onesimus means profitable. Onesimus, Philemon, will now be able to live up to his name because of Jesus Christ. My dear friend, this is Calvary Bible Church. And we are people in the process of being shaped into the image of Jesus Christ. B.R. Lakin said it so well. We have not all sinned alike, but we have all alike sinned. And come short of the glory of God. My dear friend, God is at work in building and rebuilding lives. And how does he do that? Through the gospel. Through the gospel. That's how you got saved. That's how I got saved. That's the only way to be saved. Romans 1.16, Paul puts it clearly. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. My dear friend, the only way to be saved is through the gospel. I must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Philemon did it. Aphia did it. Archippus did it. Paul did it. Timothy did it. Onesimus did it. And so have we. The gospel continues from the first century until now. And until the Lord Jesus Christ comes, dear friends, the gospel will continue to change lives. Father, we thank you for the power of the gospel. Thank you that you use it to bring people to yourself. Whether in ancient Rome, ancient Asia Minor, or modern day Lapeer and environs around. Thank you that you're at work in changing lives. We are so very 
grateful. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.